Hey, it's Mystic Chick. Welcome to part one of Sex and the Law of Attraction. Stay tuned for part two of Sex and the Law of Attraction coming soon. Follow me on Twitter at chick underscore mystic for the latest info on upcoming episodes of Happy Hour with Mystic Chick. Stay mystical, my friends. Hello, everyone. Mystic Chick here. It's about that time to grab your sex on the beach, a blood sugar sex magic, or a packet of horny goat weed from the nearest gas station and get settled in to a big puffy cloud of positive energy to contemplate another morsel of mystic goodness. So this is a warning to everybody out there. Um, This is definitely a spicier episode of Happy Hour with Mystic Chick. If you have children around, you probably do not want to be blasting this. If you um, play this back later, just remember not to be playing it in the car while you are chauffeuring children around because it will be spicy. It is not safe for work and Virgo Last will be able to also attest to that. So we have a lot of things to cover. Virgo Lass, are you Hello. in the house, Virgo Lass? I am in the house. Virgo Lass <laughs> in the house. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on with this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun one, that's for sure. <laughs> Lots to process. <laughs> we were trying to figure out what Scoville level we would be. As far as the spiciness goes. <laughs> and I can't even give you a number because I, I didn't research. I forgot. But I would say that we're like, we're, we're going to be maybe like a habanero. Okay. Like, we're okay. not going to get up to um, ghost pepper, I don't think. So seriously, dudes, keep it in your pants. I, <laughs> I'm pulling up. There's several Scoville scales. Um, and I'm trying to pull one up that I can see uh, with my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Because some of them, especially on these little image clips, are very, very tiny. Um, so the one I'm looking at are, is we've got bell peppers at the bottom. They are a zero SHU. What is SHU? Um, I do not know. Scoville hour something? I don't know. Scoville <laughs> units? Scoville units. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, okay. I'm just making stuff up. You're actually <laughs> reading the thing. <laughs> so anyways we have in the mild range bell peppers are at the very bottom yeah we are and not bell peppers we are not bell peppers we have anaheims which are also mild and i also think that we probably are not anaheims no not okay. this episode <laughs> all right so as we go up the scale we have poblano anchos and those are 1,000 to 2,000 SHU. Those are firmly in the medium category. And I would say we are not poblanos. No, we are not poblanos, although a poblano taco does sound delicious right now. <laughs> we also have guajillos, um, G-U-A-J-I-L-L-O, 2,500 to 5,000 SHUs. And I will say we're going to be past guajillos. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So then on the line of kind of, oh, here we are. So that was still mild? Bell peppers, I guess, are just nothing. Yeah. yeah so bell peppers, bell peppers are nothing. Didn't even count. All right. 
So now into medium, we have jalapenos at 2,500 to 8,000 SHU, which I don't think we're a jalapeno either. No, we are definitely spicier than a jalapeno. Okay, so the question is, <laughs> we, we then go up the scale because in the medium category, we have two more. We have Serrano's and we have Cayenne, and then it goes to hot Chile de Arbol, which I don't know. I know we're not Thai chili. Thai chili is really, really getting up there. Yeah, I think that's getting up there, but I don't know. Maybe we're Thai chili-ish. Ooh, all right. We're going to take it. We're going to be Thai we're chili. We're taking it there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, you know what? Some of the stuff I found it, that is definitely Thai chili territory. So, but yeah, I mean, when I see, okay, so then in the fire range, there's habaneros and ghost peppers, and there's an X with the skull and crossbones kind of situation. And it kind of reminds me of rated X. So I think that like, we are definitely hot Thai chili hot. What do you think? I think so. We're Thai chili hot. All right. (laughs) But like neither of us are fire signs. So we're not getting up there. (laughs) A fire sign is a ghost pepper. (laughs) I don't bring that kind of energy to the table with this. I've still got my watery misty. (laughs) Take that, take that hotness and mist it out some. Mist it out. Um, oh, I've got I've got a friend in the house. Hi, Randy. <laughs> um, hope you enjoy the episode. Don't get too scared. <laughs> so we're going to start with a list of questions to kind of get people maybe this is to kind of figure out like a litmus test, like where people are at or or what kinds of things are floating around out there in the ether that can kind of uh, make sex go a little bit wonky, if you will. So when I ask the series of questions, just think about those that may apply to you. So the first one is not just you, Virgo Lass. <laughs> not just <laughs> Virgo Lass, you're going to be like, you know, in the interrogation seat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Virgo, I'll never talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first one is... And this is actually a two-parter. When was the last time you had amazing sex? Was it yesterday, last month, or a decade ago? And so when you think about amazing sex, like, you know, hopefully you have a finale with it and hopefully everything went well and that sort of thing. So hopefully you had a finale with it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go... See, this is okay. So the next one is, do you feel that the search for the big O is akin to looking for proof of the Loch Ness Monster? Oh, sigh. 20 year olds. (laughs) Now, okay. So, and I've heard, and I'm trying to like, let me see if I can pull this up really quick. Like what percentage of women never have one? But I want to say it's 30%. That sounds about right. I've actually even heard more, but... Uh, I'm sorry to say it, guys, but um, it kind of depends on if they're in hetero relationships or not, because lesbians get off. Really? Huh. Oh, yeah. And like multiple orgasms all around. Well, and I suppose, I mean, there is definitely more knowledge of the actual mechanics, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that like... 
dudes aren't really taught their way around the lay of the land and women when like, you know, everybody's starting off at like 16, 17, 18, whatever, they're not taught to speak up about that sort of thing. So we'll get into this. We'll get into this (laughs) and more. (laughs) So, and this is part of the, the issue too. Anything having to do with women or the female anatomy, there's always this like huge, huge vagueness it doesn't matter. Like it happens a lot with like women needing medical procedures. The doctors half the time can't figure out what, what's going on or even what region, especially if somebody's coming in like mm. the ER. I actually went in one time for a stomach issue and I was there for three days in the hospital while they were trying to find it, but they did have, you know, other doctors come in and examine me everywhere going, maybe it's here, maybe it's there. So, you know, which was not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Completely unnecessary. But all right. So, um, and so when I say that, I'm kind of leading into this particular thing, which is I Googled the percentages of women who have never had an orgasm. And depending on the place I looked, the, the percentages differ. So I'm just scanning down. One place says 10 to 15% of women have never had an orgasm. Then the next thing down says 75% of all women never reach orgasm from intercourse. So I guess you could like split it down because you know intercourse yeah Yeah. because i mean if we're talking about like just strictly penis and vagina it's a lot more tough (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why like nature like evolved us that way but it did (laughs) well and (laughs) It'll be interesting because we're actually going to cover like sex position by by uh, sun sign. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it is kind of funny um, what I found out about that. <laughs> but the thing is that, yeah, I mean, especially with women, there is there there's a huge misunderstanding and vagueness and even like where women orgasm. And so, and there's different types of orgasms inside as well. So, and I've been around the sun, you know, more than 20 times. And the other day I finally read about a cervical orgasm, which I didn't even know was a thing. Oh yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) So I'm just like, okay, I know about the uterus stuff. I know about like, you know, the external stuff, but like cervical, really? Right. Like maybe I've had one and I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure you've had a lot of them, or they probably just join in the fun of, you know, the uterus I mean, ones. They probably do. <laughs> so it's a party. Everybody gets together. But the, so this is another thing where, like, you know, a lot of unnecessary surgeries with women, um, a lot of times to kind of simplify things when they go in to do other procedures. They're like, oh, let's just cut that out too. So then you don't have to go in for your yearly. And that is horrifying. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. the stuff that happens to women without women being informed is just completely almost bordering on which doctor horrifying, even Mm -hmm. in like first world countries. So that aside, (laughs) so I'm just saying that there is a lot of, of kind of uh, cloudy thinking around like where orgasms happen, especially for women. Guys, it's pretty straightforward, but there's more than one spot even for that with guys. So I'm definitely going to throw you guys a bone, no pun intended, on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know how hard it is, you know, to figure out where front and center is with the clitoris, but, you know. (laughs) I mean, with men, the other big place is the prostate, right? So, yes, that's right. Like, yeah, dudes, I mean, like, 
don't snooze on your prostate. It's <laughs> good stuff happening in there. Okay, that sounds like that could be a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> don't snooze on your prostate. <laughs> there are gay men listening to this right now just nodding in agreement. Yeah, I mean, and that would be actually interesting uh, to do another episode with uh, people in different types of relationships that can kind of, because I mean, I'm definitely, I, I have to admit, I'm coming from this as kind of a, a bisexual perspective. I'm not... I know that there are completely different things as far as like being in a lesbian relationship, being in a trans relationship, you know, I'm totally out of like, you know, the loop with, with gay men. So um, anybody who wants to kind of message me later uh, to give me information for yeah. an upcoming episode. With yeah. You. Or even if you're listening right now and you want to leave us a comment, you know, just chime in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, the prostate is, is big, not just for, you know, for all men really, so then we have the question of, do you fake orgasms? And if you do, occasionally or all the time? Oh, and why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> you are harming all women. <laughs> so here's the deal with faking orgasms. Yeah, you're really only hurting yourself. I mean, you are hurting the other person, too, because like you're basically reinforcing the fact that something they're doing wrong is paying off and is right. <laughs> Which I think they, the other person has feelings too. And I think they want to please you most of the time. I mean, unless you're with a narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, even a narcissist, if they pride themselves on their sexual pro prowess and you're lying and saying that, you know, it is happening when it's not, um, that's a thing. But it really, I mean, my gosh. And there's, there's a lot of reasons why people fake orgasms. Uh, one of them is kind of a lack of time. <laughs> so you're just like this is taking too goddamn long yeah. and i don't want to have a conversation about why this other thing i have to do is more important than what we're doing right now yeah. <laughs> so i'm just gonna get this over with so basically no matter what kind of your partner's situation is you are not doing anyone any favors by faking orgasms and if it's not going to happen for you that night I think it's best to be honest and just be like hey this isn't happening you know because then it gives the person a chance to change it up or you know to say well you know let's take a break and let's try again later sometimes that helps too to kind of step away for a little while so then the next question is, does your bedroom have a revolving door? And I don't mean to like pass any judgment on that at all. But I think that it's important to notice if you kind of have to keep changing partners or if you just can't seem to stick with one relationship. Yeah, and it can just also depend on you and your lifestyle, maybe just sticking with one partner just isn't your jam, but society tells you it's supposed to be your jam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I meant that. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Okay, monogamy, great. If you like it, that's fine. If you don't, that's okay too. Um, but I guess what I mean is more kind of the commitment phobic or almost the sex addiction kind of component of, you know, you just like are not really even discerning in what partners you choose to the point where it could kind of put you at risk. Exactly. When you're doing it in a dangerous way. Yeah. Yeah. We don't danger, danger, not good. Danger. bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you are addicted to sex, I mean, there are so many reasons psychologically, a lot of times it's not 
always, I'm not going to, you know, give a blanket statement, but a lot of times it's trauma based or it's also, it can also be one of those situations where the person feels out of control with the rest of their life. And it's one way to control their life, almost like an eating disorder. Yeah, that's, I mean, it gets very addictive. I mean, obviously it's a big rush of dopamine that lights up the same parts of your brain that um, heroin does. So yeah, yeah, it's easy to get addicted to it. And sometimes even like not even necessarily addicted to the sex in general, it can just be addiction to the attention involved in it. Oh. Um, and honestly, yeah, it's a different thing if they're if per- people are actively choosing that lifestyle, you know, for different payoffs, that's their choice. But to kind of evaluate, is that the energy that you want to kind of keep in your sexuality? Because we're going to really explore energy and sex and how they are pretty much the sex is a different aspect of energy. It is all energy and kind of how you harness that energy is can impact many areas of your life also in addition to kind of your sexuality. So the next question is, do you view sex as the thing that keeps my partner off my back? (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) All right, Virgilas, have you ever done that? (laughs) Okay. I mean, yeah, can't believe I'm talking about this. (laughs) True confessions time. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I have been with Virgo Lad for uh, like 20 years now. And there are ebbs and flows in the sex drive. And so, uh, yeah, there have been like, you know, certain times uh, in like our relationship where I'm kind of mostly going through the motions just because um, I don't want to, you know, I'm not in the mood, but I don't want to like have a little conversation about why I'm not in the mood. And, you know, I, and okay, there is, and I have had friends say like, sometimes there is something called maintenance sex because <laughs> true, some, yes. yeah, it's true. Like just to kind of like, just to like connect in some way, even if you're not really feeling it at the time. And then later on when you're, when you are feeling it again, it's not such a hassle to get back to. Sometimes people just like hit the brakes. And then even though you're like married to this person or you've been with them for like so many years, like it's actually really hard to just start things up again. So yeah, yeah. sometimes maintenance sex is a thing. Yeah. Well, and... Um... And, I, and I also want to just throw out there that Virgo Lad and I have amazing sex. We just had amazing sex. Shout out to Virgo Lad. <laughs> Like right before this episode, or like um, actually, yeah, <laughs> research. All right, <laughs> I that's on my to do list, but you know, I have dogs and kids and whatnot. That groceries, <laughs> it was a day, it was a day. <laughs> um, hopefully, night the night will be better. So, anyways. With maintenance sex, though, here's the here's the other question with that. Like, do you still finish, though? Like, do you do you have a happy ending with it? Or is it just strictly maintenance? Like, you know, you've got to get that roto-rooter out because it's just otherwise the pipes are clogged. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like, I, th- I think it depends on the type of sex that you're having. Like, I mean, if you're just like banging it out, then yeah, maybe you're not like 
<laughs> if you're not ending satisfied, but you're just like, yeah, but I banged it out. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, yeah. and, then, and then sometimes like, you know, maybe you do have an orgasm and it's like, oh, okay. That was pretty good. I'm actually, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> it's a nice surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I mean, also like if one. you, and also like the older you get, the more like I mean, if you're a twenty something and you're listening to this, I promise, man, it gets better. Like eventually, you know your body well enough that it's orgasms all the time, whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, well, and they say as you get older that you become that it's you have more of a tendency to become multi orgasmic. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah, you um, just kind of like know your body much more than you did back then. You know, it's just like with any job, you know, you have to go through the training period. (laughs) The job. Yeah. (laughs) You're like reminding me of like my first job, which was like bagging groceries. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say like, wait, how am I reminding you? What first job did you have, Mr. Chick? (laughs) I've had many, many jobs and I don't know. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) None of them were all that exciting, but no, it's just like, there is a lot of like, you know, technical training involved. That's all I got to say. You got to stack those groceries properly or the eggs get broken. (laughs) (laughs) and also too like the nice thing about being in a long-term monogamous relationship is that they know exactly what to do to get you off (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah that is true did you just hesitate (laughs) (laughs) it's no i mean I will go back. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We'll circle back. We're going to circle back. <laughs> All right. So here's an interesting question because I have a whole list. We, we're halfway through-ish. Well-ish. Um, the next one is, <laughs> do you find yourself typically completely out of your comfort zone? And this might be more for people who are in the dating world versus like in a solidly monogamous relationship unless you are with like a serial killer. But yeah, don't be with a serial killer. <laughs> well, those women don't usually know they're with a serial killer, and then they no, find out they're very later. charming. I know, and then they trip over the body later, and they're like, "Oh!" And then things start falling into place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why there's that bag of lime in the garage all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you needed that huge drum barrel. <laughs> right, that's why we go through so much saran wrap. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I can't remember the name of like the woman who was married to Dexter, but she was probably just like, I just bought Saran Wrap. What the fuck is he doing? You're always out of duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no, but seriously, completely outside of your comfort zone. Have you ever had that situation come up, Virgo Lass, where you were with somebody, you know, and you just, it was a new partner and they were like completely either like way more advanced than you or just into completely different things than you, possibly BDSM that you weren't ready for or something like that. No, because before Virgo lad, I mean, like, you know, I dated around in my early twenties, but I would say the guys were also dating around in their early twenties. They were also just, you know, maybe like young and inexperienced, but the comfort zone level came from like, they're having sex. They're having sex for the first time. They want to, I mean, usually young boys go from, yay, I'm having sex to, 
Now I need to get experienced as quickly as possible. And they want to run through the list of everything they have seen in every porno, like ever. And yeah, yeah, I can get very quickly past your comfort zone. And back in, you know, back in my day, there weren't these heavy conversations about consent Uh, like the kids are having now. Back then, it was like, if you didn't want to do these things, you were a prude. So, and also there's also a thing where it's like, okay, like if I say no, that just means try harder to get you to do this thing. And then they would also be like, well, you know, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get out of your comfort zone. And if I could go back in time, I would be like, you know what? No, you need to make my zone more comfortable. It's all about making the zone comfortable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if you have, if you're out there, you're listening, you have a comfort zone, you know what? Stick with that comfort zone. Like, just make that zone more comfortable. And then eventually you're going to want to bring more things into it. And then those things will be comfortable. So, like, you don't have to, like, dive into the deep end, like, all at once. Okay. Well, here's the thing, because you're a Virgo. <laughs> So I could see you having that viewpoint. My actually, uh, there are some ways, some ways, and sometimes where you might want to kind no, of. No, it's so true. I'm a Virgo. I need to do research first. I need to go to the library and do any research. I've had this thing before I start it. <laughs> not everybody's, yeah, not everybody's like me. Okay. <laughs> but one of the, one of the ways to get a little unstuck, if you are kind of like in a rut or something, um, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> is to kind of step outside the comfort zone a little bit, but that is the key, like a little bit, or, you know, having conversations with your partner beforehand that, you know, you're on the same page as to where you're going to kind of spelunk. <clears throat> so, and we'll talk about some of that too, but a few more questions. I'm trying to scan. I have a ton here. And so I'm trying to scan for some of these that are more topical, but um, so do you feel like you have a dirtier mind than your partner? And how do you deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys both being Virgos, you might actually be really, really in sync. Yeah, that's the thing is that, I mean, yeah, like Virgo Lad was born like literally like five days ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't born yesterday. But where's my comedy button? I'm trying to find it. <laughs> But yeah, no, actually, like, starting age 40, I was like, hey, let's try some of these other things, too. You know, like, let's try some new things. So, you know, we've been experimenting, and it's been fun. And yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, that's what you do in a long-term relationship. Like, you have to bring in some new stuff sometimes just to, like, just yeah. like, yeah, just, again, a size and hesitation. <laughs> Okay, we we have kind of like (laughs) discussions like, I think that my mind's dirtier than yours. And then you never quite know (laughs) in what way that is. But yeah, so sometimes I think that it really depends on the situation. It depends on the partner. And in some ways, your brain and your thoughts are way more vulnerable than your body or any particular act. So that's very true. Yeah. Once you're performing the act, you're pretty much like in it 
you know, (laughs) but when you're really like disclosing, especially like before you try anything or just talking in general, like at a different time and you're like, yeah, I'm really into feet. I've been like trying not to talk about it because I was a little bit like, you know, didn't know how you would like judge me, but yeah, I'm going to put it out there. I just love sucking on toes. And then if that other person's like, whoa, whoa, this is too much for me then um <laughs> then you've been like completely exposed you know you're like completely and utterly vulnerable and i and maybe it's because of my aquarius moon but i feel like my thoughts are my biggest vulnerability not my body oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> and yeah i i feel like and you know Obviously, both of us are Gen X, but I feel like the kids have kind of a better <laughs> beat on this. I know. But like, I feel like the kids have like a better beat on this than all of, than we did at that age. Like, there is so much more language about talking about your kinks now than we had. Like, with us, it was all just a big joke. True. Well, and also I think like what we kind of build as kinks are like now just kind of like regular parts of relationships. I mean, yeah, now like normal, any normal relationship, like one of the first things you discuss is, all right, so what's your safe word? (laughs) We didn't have that shit. Twizzler. It's Twizzler. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one of I, one of my friends, friend of the pod, shout out. But uh, his safe word for years was Beetlejuice. But then he ended up having to change it because the partners would always be like, "You gotta say it three times." And he's like, "No, that's not how safe words work." <laughs> God, that's awesome. Um, okay, so I just want to put it out there that I don't actually enjoy sucking on toes. <laughs> I was using that as an example, and I'm totally supportive of those who do, but I just that is not one of my kinks. So um, yeah, <laughs> I just felt a little weird saying that. All right. Um, so yeah, safe words are great, but I mean, okay, so you know, I'm bisexual. I never though, when I was in my 20s, did I ever like go out there and label myself as such, because there was a lot of in the 90s, kind of a lot of judgment about, you know, that sort of thing still. And so it was kind of just something that, you know, if the situation presented itself, then I would act on it. But it wasn't like I kind of labeled myself that way and kind of put myself out there that way. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And there was a lot of buy erasure back then too. I mean, like there's, I mean, it's still there now. Like people are just like, oh, well, oh, you're bisexual. That just means that you're either experimenting or you're not all the way out yet. And that's not <laughs> true. Like, you no. know, you, Yeah, people can enjoy both. Human sexuality is on a continuum. I mean, I do have a background in psych and it's not, it's obviously pretty much common knowledge nowadays. It's not just the psych territory, but it's, you know, you can have experiences. It just depends on how you're wired, where your comfort zone lies, that sort of thing. And people can shift over time as well. Yeah. Actually, they've said they've said that too. I think I've read that um, women can become like more and more bi or more and more lesbian as the years go on. And I also think that it depends on how you grew up. Not or, all, yeah, and not all women. I'm just saying, like it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's. But also, I think a lot trauma can cause, especially women, to engage more in lesbian relationships because they can be safer. 
than kind of if they've been assaulted by men or that oh, sort of thing. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hyper. I, I don't even know how to pronounce that. That's a new one for me. Hypergamy. I'm. If you want to fill me in on that one, I'm actually. Yeah. Yes. Please. Yes. Please tell us more. We'll <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's an interesting one. The act of marrying or forming a sexual relationship with a person of a superior sociological or educational background. That's kind of hot. Uh, so basically like uh one of those like tv shows where like the princess like marries like the footman or something like that oh marrying up (laughs) okay we might get a call in so i'm just yeah both terms were coined in the indian subcontinent in the 19th century while translating classical hindu law books so this kind of sounds like yeah it's kind of like um more of something from like um, an Indian caste system, but but yeah, feel free to call in if you want to. Yeah, if yeah you wanna please hear do. More about that. Yes, um, and also there's another question out there: just why don't younger women like older, experienced men? I think there's a lot of women out there that could yeah. really enjoy. Yeah, seriously. seriously, where are you living? <laughs> <laughs> They're just oh, okay. We got the call in. Hi, you're on with Mystic Chicken Virgo last. How are yes. you today? Uh, Hi, Big Life. How you guys doing? Uh, my name's Big Life. I go by Eric, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, just what the thought, what your thoughts was on hypergamy. I know it's a weird word to say, but yeah, hypergamy was correct. Second point. Yeah, but um, could you explain um, in because we just like went on Wikipedia, but explain in your <laughs> right. own words about hy- um, well, about hypergamy. For example, say you with your high school sweetheart for you know till you're about 35, 36. So that's already a big 10 years of your life right mm-hmm. and you know how your mom said just get somebody that has a good job yada 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 in your mind that's already inherited like a chip in your brain that's like you have to marry up you have to have the best possible because after that because you know marriage is such a huge investment that even if it was somebody for so long and you see somebody that just made it already your brain mm-hmm. will automatically just go towards just the, uh, the better social circle the better financial circle so it's uh, it's the thing with women like it's you guys are like on an incline so you guys kind of keep going up and up as far as men we're more linear we just kind of just stay on one track you know if you know, some men go up that high they still stay on one track and women just want to be the sad thing is i would hate to say this but like you know more uh, established that they have to do a little less as far as uh, rearing a child and stuff like that so they want to marry up pretty much get more for their money Kind of sucks because it'll, it'll leave a guy that's invested so much time into like an emotional roller coaster right after that. So oh, that's, that's what it's a pretty common thing, but that's what my thoughts are around that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a rough one. I mean, have you had experience with that yourself, or have you just witnessed friends? No, I did have. I actually did. I was with somebody for not very long, and she got to that age, and. Um, I was like, at first, I, I, th- I thought it wasn't that serious until I realized, okay, you know, around the, between the ages of 37 and 40, that's when they just kind of want to be like, all right, I'm going to just go up here and be living better. You just, you so kind of got thrown out. But, you know, it was my fault because I did my my share of, like, my uh, insecurities because I was insecure and I, I was too neglectful at the end. So I didn't take care of my part in the relationship and I kind of suffered dramatically after that. And after that, you just learn about yourself. Just, it's, I, I hate how cliche it is, but you really got to get to know yourself after that. And oh, yeah. Feel like yeah, such, absolutely. Just more centered person. And uh, 
I think if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am today. So, so what you did learn from the experience, like how are you in a relationship currently? No, no, I'm single right now, but um, I just, you know, my insecurities were like jealousy, uh, not not trusting, just, you know, being, making fake thoughts and stuff like that. So I kind of like had to hone down what I was, what, what it was that I was tripping about, mm-hmm. like seeing her with somebody else or stuff like that. So I just had to just dive into each one of those emotions and kind of pump them all up. And then now I feel like very centered and very like self-actualized, you know, like I feel like I'm just, everything's all in check, you know, and. That's for really what you have to do. You can't just dive into a new relationship and just make and realize everything's going to be better. You know? Oh, absolutely. We actually um, delved into that a lot in our last episode about how um, after you go through something like that, you just kind of have to just take the moment for yourself, you know, do your own work on yourself and figure out exactly what it is that you want. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like you've really took the time to do the work on yourself. And that's yeah. just the, the hard part is taking that time to be by yourself because, you know, we're always by ourselves. We're just like, ah, where is he? Where is she? Like, ah, you know, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's as much as it sucks, like that's really the only way to go just to get it in a better mental place. Well, and also, I mean, I think that sometimes things happen for a reason and um, that on some level, you probably kind of sensed that you weren't compatible. And sometimes your subconscious will like tank the relationship, even if like you're not ready to kind of experience yeah. that then, yet. Then you have your those thoughts like you regret it or like she should have done better. Like, well, why did you do it when you were there? Like... Now you're like, oh, I'm up so much more ready now. But then I realized the bad parts. You always forget about the bad parts in that relationship. You always think about the good, like the good you idolize and victimize. You know, you're just like, oh, I idolize the great parts. And then you realize, well, those parts when she was this, this, and that. Oh, man, definitely do not forget about the bad parts either, you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And if you have... um. If you're ever curious, the the last two uh, episodes, we it's like one continuous one, but it's basically all these different ways you can kind of like get um, into yourself more and kind of like just questions you can ask yourself and sort things out for kind of honing in on like what you want moving forward, because it can be like extremely murky, like anytime feelings are involved. So. We also have a really great episode on cutting the cords of uh, attachments. So if you feel like there's something about your past relationship or relationships that you're just not letting go, it's a way to kind of make peace with that. I didn't realize my level of attachment uh, codependency after this relationship because I didn't feel like the need of being uh, like a kid to somebody. Right? Like a majority of the things were taken care of for me. And it got too comfortable, and I realized, like, I shouldn't be like that. I need to be uh, self-reliant, self-independent. Oh, yes. That, that is a that. very and, big thing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. um, I just feel like that just – it's like a, like a crutch for yourself because when you do leave or you end up getting left, you know, like, you're just like, what the fuck? You're just paralyzed for, for – like, emotionally paralyzed. You're just – you're not yourself. You're just a body walking around, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. An empty shell for a while. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, thank you guys for letting me call in. I'll be more happy to join any other time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. It was right. wonderful hearing from yeah. you. And uh, if you ever have any questions or anything, you can always um, reach out to me on Twitter at chick underscore mystic. Um, Sounds good. You guys have a good right. day. You too. Bye bye. You too. Okay. 
that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah. I didn't even know that hypergamy was a thing. So, um, and yeah, and I think that uh, we didn't even really get into that. But I think that um, one thing that uh, was being addressed there is how um, specifically, like in hetero relationships, like sometimes women is like once that biological clock starts ticking, yeah, like they really want to find someone that they can basically just build a nest with, someone who makes them feel secure, someone where maybe if they need to stop working to take care of kids, then they are they're able to do that on just one income, which is very rare these days. But still, I mean, it's that that sort of a thing. Oh yeah, I mean it's, yeah. it's but it's you know, and, and you also. But you also, if that's what you're looking for, you might be missing out on like someone who's really great, who's going to love you in a way that that other person can't. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why it's so important to kind of like really think about the particulars of the relationship that you want to enter into next. You know, it ask the tough questions when you meet someone like, do you want to have kids or, you know, what do you plan on doing with your life? Do you really want to stay in the same area? Are you planning on moving? Like, I don't know how many relationships I've heard about where people get really enmeshed with each other only to find out that the other person's planning a huge move within a few months. I know, right? It happens a lot. It does. It happens a lot. Yeah. So. This whirlwind, like, real courtship. And then all of a sudden, oh, so like, I'm joining the Peace Corps. Is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I see somebody's been um, kind of talking about um, soulmates, finding soulmates in the chat. And uh, that's actually, that kind of spans several different shows. But um, part of looking for somebody who is going to be more compatible, you know, you probably, if you haven't listened to the How to Manifest a Lover um, series of episodes, uh, part one and part two, you may want to go back and listen to those because there's a whole bunch of different tips and tricks on kind of honing in on somebody who will be a good match and that, you know, will be in line with who you want to be and where you want to be in your life. But also soulmates, just to kind of clarify, sometimes soulmates the lessons that you are meant to learn from a soulmate um, is not always a romantic lesson. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a lesson about how you kind of process the world. And sometimes um, having a relationship with a soulmate is, can be kind of a painful experience, but you definitely end up learning from it. So, yeah, there was this girl that I used to work with and she was someone who was like very magical, but she um, told me the story about how like her husband that she was with that she had like three or four kids with was not her soulmate. He was her life partner. And she was just like, she was, had made her peace with that. She was very content. You know, her ex, her ex was her soulmate, but her husband was her life partner. Like the one that she was able to have kids with her soulmate was an alcoholic. So it didn't work out like that. Oh. And yeah, but, they still had a good, a good relationship, a good friendship. She even told me that anytime that she was thinking about him or talking about him, he would call her. And sure enough, right in front of my eyes, all of a sudden the phone rang. Somebody asked for her. I handed the phone and she's like, it's my ex. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, so much fun. <laughs> 
so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, so soulmates can be a, a uh, complicated kind of situation. It, there's a lot more going on than just a straight on romantic kind of relationship sometimes. So it's it definitely depends on the person. So a few other questions kind of to zero in on kind of where your energy level is as far as sexuality. Do you feel as a person that you're repressed? Because depending on how someone was brought up or if they come from a an overtly religious household, sometimes you don't really feel comfortable expressing yourself sexually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, especially again, like we're from a generation where sex was maybe more just like joked about but never like discussed in a serious way. Mm-hmm. So when you're like making your way in the world, trying to figure out what your sexuality even is, it was really hard. Like, especially if somebody wasn't like the gender binary or like, just like straight justice hetero, like it could be really hard. Just kind of like trying to find, um, what your sexuality even was because you're just bogged down by like all of this outer stimulus telling you what it was supposed to be. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's some, well, and you could even just argue that, that America is kind of a Just a tad, just a tad. <laughs> well, and it, this is a big question though, because it, it's definitely uh, when you consider kind of sexual energy, when you feel repressed in some way, and there's a number of different ways somebody can feel repressed, but that energy still has to go somewhere. And so, you know, it's like a, a pot that's going to boil over or that sort of thing. It comes out sideways. And then you end up either channeling it into like other addictions, you know, a shopping addiction, a, you know, drugs, alcohol, gambling, that sort of thing, or, um, like obsessions over certain things, or maybe, you know, some sort of like huge, like fitness regimen, or just, but to the point where it's kind of, you're abusing (laughs) kind of the hobby, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because you just don't even know. And sometimes it's subconscious. So you don't even know why you're so obsessed with a certain something, but like, you can't come to terms with something that you're feeling repressed about. In and that, also, I think I just want to give a shout out to like kind of the second stage of, of, of repression or even maybe just like general like low sex drive is that sometimes, okay, so like you're in your 20s, everything's great. You're the sexual creature. You meet <laughs> your soulmate slash life partner. You have a kid. And suddenly that drive is just nowhere to be found. <laughs> and so yeah. And like maybe your partner, um, like of whatever flavor of sexuality, it doesn't matter, but um, they are, you know, they want to start getting it on again, but you are trying to keep a living being alive. And it's a being that is like, just like on you, on you, on you, like, you know, just like on your tit all day. <laughs> and like, maybe you even have like another, an older kid and like, that's like wants to be on you all day. And then once you get to a certain point of the day, like they're in bed, you're like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to be touched anymore. Then all of a sudden your partner is like, Hey, let's get it on. Hey. And you're just like, Oh my God. Fuck you. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
or don't. (laughs) And then like, it becomes such a problem, but it's just like the partner just has to to understand how completely overtouched the other partner is. Like they're just like, they're not feeling it right now. And sometimes the most sexy thing you can possibly do for them is just to take stuff off their plate, do the dishes yeah. Like draw them a bath, like just like take care of the older kid for a little while. Just like just do things like that. Get a bottle, get up in the middle of the night, whatever you have to do, just take things off the other partner's plate and then maybe they will feel more sexy. Yeah. Well, Anna shoulder rub for some odd reason, shoulder rubs never bothered me. Maybe because I was like always holding a baby and my shoulders were always tense, but I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So much fun. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go for the shoulders, not the boob. So, but that that kind of leads into another question too, is like after having kids, do you feel kind of devoid of your sexuality? Like you just live for them and that you're just walking. Like I remember having my kids eons ago now, my, my son's going to college soon, but um, it was like, I, after I had them, I'm wearing like only gray shirts because the spit up (laughs) was like the easiest somehow to get out of it. And you couldn't like notice it as much if you wiped it out, especially the Heather gray of like the cheap Hanes (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. And then, you know, I'm like looking over and my husband's wearing all gray too, because we're both like, yeah, I can't deal with spit up on black anymore. It's just not going to (laughs) happen. It's too painful. Um, But, you know, you just kind of like walk around um, just kind of like a zombie and you're just kind of like, eh, and it's just like you don't know how to get your sexy back. Like you just don't know like how to be, you know, a a sexual being after just kind of like making the donuts all the time. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of a yeah. Um, So also kind of, you know, do you feel comfortable? These are kind of a together question, but feeling comfortable naked, do you feel like you need to have the lights off during sex or can you, you know, do you have them on or does it depend on the day? If you're only lights off all the time, you know, if it works for you, that's great. But sometimes you might want to explore, like, are you ashamed of something that you shouldn't be or that sort of thing? Yeah, no, I, I feel like that's usually like body issues with people who like need the lights completely off. I mean, Dim lights, those are sexy. <laughs> but if you need to be uh, having sex only in like pitch dark, then that might be like more insecurities going on. Unless that's a turn on for you. Unless it's a turn on. <laughs> like maybe it's a kink. It's cool. <laughs> and also, do you like to have sex in strange places? And I like there is a limit, I think, to having it be exciting. <laughs> versus just gross <laughs> right exactly like <laughs> when you're pushing that envelope really too hard like oh let's go and do it in your sister's room at her baby shower <laughs> i don't know well i don't know those baby shower games uh, actually no it does come kind of hot if you think about it like <laughs> i was thinking more like you know those people who have like major sex addictions that are like meeting someone at the grocery store and then doing it like behind the dumpster behind the grocery store that's kind of when you know oh you know. yeah dumpster sex like dumpster yeah. sex. <laughs> just you don't want to feel dirty physically yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, so basically kind of whatever your particular issues, you can employ the law of attraction to have a more satisfying sex life. And just as in all other aspects of life, the law of attraction governs passion, romance, and sexual bliss. Since the law of attraction states that like attracts like, whatever your ideas, beliefs, and expectations are about sex and romance will draw people and experiences of the same energy frequency to you. So whether or you know it or not, what you are getting in the bedroom is exactly what you've been asking for. This is the important thing, though. You don't have to attract the same things that you are thinking and feeling. And this is where people get really hung up. You are attracting things that are of the same vibrational frequency. So an example would mm -hmm. be a woman desperately wants to be in a committed relationship. She doesn't understand why she keeps dating the guys with the roving eyes. She doesn't realize that her feelings of desperation and an inadequacy are attracting situations that cause her to feel more desperate and inadequate. Because, I mean, seriously, I think everybody's probably been with at least one person that wasn't, that was either, you know, a serial cheater or, you know, had kind of eyes for whoever was helping you out at, at the restaurants or whatever. And you're, you like get this low self-esteem, like, oh my gosh, you know, and that's kind of like a sign, like you need to pull out of that one. But if yeah, you keep, that's the thing is that like, if there's a lot, if you're feeling a lot of jealousy all of the time, I guess you just shouldn't be feeling that way. Like when you meet like the right person, like that, that's just all goes out the window because you are, you, you're very secure in how they feel about you. So, I mean, if they're like talking to like somebody random or if they have like a friend at work who's of the opposite sex or the same sex, depending on your sexuality, I mean, it's not a big deal to you because you're like, Oh, that's cool. But <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but any kind of low energy situation then is something that, you know, you're going to probably keep finding yourself in situations with guys that aren't working out for one reason or another. Maybe they just haven't gotten over their ex. Maybe they're still kind of in the separation process and it's messy. Maybe they have issues with drugs or alcohol or other addictions, but whatever it is, it's going to be something that is more low energy and is going to keep causing you to stay in this kind of low energy cycle yourself. So in order to have kind of not only wild nights of toe curling sex, but, you know, just a, a solid functional kind of relationship. Um, you have to become consciously aware of what you want. And that means getting to know yourself on a number of different levels. Really look at how you feel about yourself. Think about your expectations about sex and relationships. And also kind of really get a feel for, <laughs> no pun intended, what you like in the bedroom. because you know, sometimes you don't really know until you go exploring on your own.